It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season is different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. The Cincinnati Bengals picked up Tack McKinley from the Atlanta Falcons on waivers on Wednesday, and if that's not a difference, well, I don't know what to tell you. And with this different season, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. The Bengals made a significant move on the waiver wire today, one that I certainly didn't expect. Takarist McKinley, former Atlanta Falcons first-round pick, now a member of the Cincinnati Bengals. That's obviously where we're going to start today's show. It's also Crossover Thursday. We'll feature a conversation between James and Chris from Locked On Steelers. We've also got updates on injuries for the Bengals. And generally, it's time to look ahead as it's Thursday. And it's Thursday of Steelers week. But James, let's get started with the unexpected news that Takaris McKinley is now a Cincinnati Bengal. James, I was not expecting this move. I'll just be very frank and honest about it. I thought either... One of the several teams ahead of the Bengals in waiver priority would go for it, or the Bengals wouldn't be interested, either scared off by the perception that Tack was a disgruntled player after they just got rid of a disgruntled player, or I thought that most of the non-contenders, which the Cincinnati Bengals realistically and unfortunately belong in that group, would pass on Tack McKinley and he would go to a contender as he's on an expiring deal. The Bengals could see this as potentially a compensatory pick formula kind of move. They could see it as just a really no-risk gamble, and I would agree with that. I think it's a good move. I just was surprised to see it. I was surprised too. There's no doubt about it with everything going on in in, in that locker room right now and COVID-19 and everything like that. I, I was just so focused on that and the injuries from Wednesday and just kind of updating that, and then this comes down. But, but it's funny, Jake. You... Joe and myself were talking about Takaris McKinley before uh, we hit record the other day. And this move, it, it makes a ton of sense. One, look, Lou Anarumo, his one excuse is, and it is, it's a reason to a degree, injuries specifically in the trenches. DJ Reader, Geno Atkins, Mike Daniels was on IR, Sam Hubbard, who's finally coming back. Well, all right, fine. Get him a little help here for this final stretch before you make a uh, ground sweeping decision with him. Uh, or, or any of these other defensive coaches, or for Zach Taylor, right? It, give him as many pieces a, as you can on defense. Because look, Takaris McKinley has a lot to prove, and he is a free agent to be. And you're right, the compensatory pick formula, maybe that benefits them uh, if he signs elsewhere and has a, a productive couple of games here, a couple uh, months here. Uh, but even if that doesn't happen, you're at least giving Lou Anarumo, you're giving these guys uh, more of a chance. And I, I don't think McKinley's this game record, game changer, but he can help you. 
And so the fact that the Bengals did this, I, I think it's I think it's a good move. It's not going to change things a ton, but I think it is going to help. I think I agree with that. I think that he can definitely do some things that some of the lower players on the roster can't do. He is comfortable standing up. He's comfortable with his hand on the ground, which is something that Lou Anarumo is going to like because he likes being very multiple with his defensive lineman, with his defensive front and tack can move around on the outside, but he's almost exclusively an edge rusher. He's a little bit undersized. He came into the league at 6'2", 250 pounds. He's added some weight in the NFL, which I think was necessary for him. And the athletic profile for McKinley is he's got length, he's got burst, but he doesn't have a whole lot of bend, at least according to his combine testing. His agility scores definitely on the lower end of the spectrum. And you go back and you see his college tape and the scouting reports on him coming out. He was known as a guy that had good straight line speed. He could make offensive linemen's angles bad with his burst and his get off off of the line of scrimmage off of the snap. But the secondary moves, the ability to turn the corner, not really high on the Tack McKinley profile or on the skill set. He's a guy with a, an incredibly high motor. He's very passionate. Those are things that you like as a fan and as a football coach. I'm sure Lou Anarumo is a fan of those qualities in Tack McKinley. And this is a guy that if you're going to compare him to another player on the Bengals, and at this point it's just really Carl Lawson and Sam Hubbard, or maybe you throw Monty Bledsoe in there, very much on the Sam Hubbard spectrum things, the Sam Hubbard side of things in terms of high motor, high effort, but not necessarily elite tools or elite pass rush moves or elite bend. But the burst can still win from time to time. Also, James, pretty good run defender. So all things that the Bengals really at this point in the season with the injuries they've had, they need. And I think the reason fans are excited in <laughs> Is, is one the surprise of it, right? We were both caught off guard by it. And if we were, fans probably were as well. And, and the other part of this is it just continues the trajectory of what this franchise has done. Um, and, and I'm not saying that Tack McKinley is this game changer, like I said, but they continue to aggressively potentially address issues. And I think that part of things is refreshing for Bengals fans. It's nice to see the team using all the tools at their disposal to try to make the team better. And James, we're going to use all the tools at our disposal on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're now joined by Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons. Aaron, coming out of school, Tack McKinley looked like a guy that didn't have a lot of bend, that looked a little bit raw, that looked like he had some good burst to his game, that looked like he had a lot of motor to his game. Passionate guy. Didn't look like that was necessarily going to translate into an elite pass rusher in the NFL and doesn't look like it has, but has his game developed and how has it developed with the Falcons? Yeah, it's it's a little difficult to sort of quantify how much his game has developed because he's only played really one, two kind of games this year due to injuries. But if you go back and you look at that week one game against Seattle, you sort of see more development, more usage of hands. Uh, one of the things about Tack was he was always a you know speed to power guy, a guy that relied on his burst, a lot relied on his uh, uh, power, and was kind of a little bit of a one note guy. And this year, at least in the limited sample, you're seeing him rush a little bit more with a plan, um, being able to use those hands, using sort of chop moves, which were something that he didn't necessarily utilize a lot in his first couple of years in Atlanta. So I, I feel like the development is there as long as he can stay healthy and find an opportunity to use those moves that he seemingly has developed uh, on the field. 
Now, obviously, he was very unhappy in Atlanta, but would you say that fans are upset with his departure? Are, are you sad to see him go? I mean, or, or was the divorce kind of inevitable and now you just need to find another new edge rusher? I am personally upset to see him go because I think he was going to develop into the pass rusher that the Falcons have so desperately been looking for, or not quite to the level of John Abraham, but a guy that could be a, a viable option for him. And so to see it all kind of fall apart uh, was disappointing, although there seemed to be a high probability given the likelihood of a coaching change and the potential roster turnover that the Falcons were going to let him walk in free agency after the firing of Dan Quinn. But the general uh, temperature in Atlanta among the fan base and the media is that they can't wait to see him gone. So uh, I'm in the minority on that uh, standpoint in terms of, you know, wishing tack well, uh, but it seems like the general consensus is that, uh, you know, he can kick rocks, as they say. That's Aaron Freeman from Lockdown Falcons. You can always follow all of our Lockdown hosts. You can find him at Falcfans on Twitter. Aaron, with some great insight there, James, does that make you any more optimistic? I mean, he seemed to think that he can develop, and maybe this is more than a compensatory pick kind of thing. This is actually a, maybe this is a guy that can be part of the future. I like that. I do too, and and hopefully... The Bengals get to see that and get to see those glimpses. And who knows, maybe a team goes and pays tack big money and they do get a compensatory selection, or maybe this is his future home. You never know. But the the fact that the Bengals were able to bring in a guy that Aaron feels like was getting close to, to reaching his potential, that bodes well for a, a team that needs it and a guy who clearly has a lot to prove. So I think it's a good fit. Coming up next, we'll get into the injuries as the Bengals are back at practice on Wednesday and another COVID update as the Bengals try to get a team ready to play the Steelers on Sunday. This football season is different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, whether it's new defensive end Tack McKinley or Carl Lawson getting after the quarterback, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football, watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. And maybe you want something to eat to go along with that refreshing Pepsi. And if you're like me, and you've got your homemade Skyline, or if you're in Cincinnati and you've got your Kansas Skyline from Kroger, and you forgot the cheese, which I did, and obviously you can't have a nice Skyline three-way without cheese, DoorDash is there for you, and they've got anything you want. Chinese, pizza, froyo, there's something for everybody on DoorDash. You can continue supporting those restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash and need your patronage now more than ever, and you can get that contactless delivery. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you, and they're still open with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Code locked on. Last time I'm going to remind you for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The Bengals' first COVID 19 outbreak of the regular season continues 
and they placed a couple more practice squad players on the list on Wednesday, including cornerback Brian Allen and another cornerback, one we've talked about a lot on this podcast, Jake Winston Rose. So two practice squad corners. They went on the COVID-19 list. They also activated Jordan Evans and cornerback Mackenzie Alexander. So it's just something that this team right now trying to navigate through. Fred Johnson, Trey Waynes, and Marcus Hunt all remain on the COVID-19 reserve list. And one interesting point about Alexander, yes, the Bengals did activate him from the list, but he was sent home on Wednesday, did not practice due to an illness. And that's literally, as we're recording this, breaking news, Jake. So uh, this uh, this week, this year, it's very different in the, the Bengals right now having to navigate through a, a lot of different things going on due to COVID-19. And the company line, for lack of a better word, that we heard from Joe Burrow and from head coach Zach Taylor today was they're dealing with adversity. And it's just more adversity that they have to navigate and, and get through. You use the word navigate a bunch and that's exactly what it is. Hopefully, Mackenzie Alexander's just fine. They've had a lot of illness stuff going on. Mike Jordan didn't play with an injury a couple of weeks ago. John Ross, not a, not an injury, an illness. John Ross has been dealing with illness, maybe. I don't know. Hard to know what to believe there, I guess, with him tweeting that he's fine and the team having him officially listed on the injury report. But outside of that, I'd say it's a somewhat encouraging day on the injury list. Joe Mixon working on the side, working with the rehab staff today. So he's not all the way back yet. And hopefully he gets back soon. But Jonah Williams, an important starter on the left side of that offensive line, was a limited participant in practice. While, unfortunately, Bobby Hart, their starter on the right side, is still sidelined with that knee injury. Sounds like he's working his way back. Also worked with rehab staff today couple full participants though for the Bengals Trey Hopkins and Mike Jordan as I mentioned Jordan missing with the illness those guys both back to full as the offensive line at least looks to get a few of those guys back early in this practice week. Geno Atkins didn't participate he wasn't at practice due to personal reasons on Wednesday Darius Phillips dealing with a groin he was also out but there was some good news Jake for the second straight day the Bengals activated or not activated but cleared a player on injured reserve to practice and opened up the 21-day window it was Tuesday for Sam Hubbard Wednesday it was Xavier Suofilo so it looks like the this Bengals interior of the offensive line they're going to have a lot of bodies as Xavier Suofilo continues to to work up to things and Zach Taylor said that there's a chance he plays or is at least activated for this Sunday's matchup against the Steelers so that bears watching Taylor also said that he expects Sam Hubbard to play. So that's a, a huge boost for a defense that needed it. Yeah, and Tack McKinley obviously won't be able to play this week because he has to get through all the COVID protocols and things coming to a new team off of waivers on Wednesday. The other guy the Bengals might have to find a slot for, I guess, is Quentin Spain, who's still on the practice squad, technically. Zach Taylor playing at Coy with Quentin Spain, not really saying he's going to start, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, because... If Mike Jordan is back and they see him as a starter at left guard, and if Xavier Suofilo is back and they see him as a starter at right guard, well, where does that leave Quentin Spain? I don't think he's going to be able to stay on the practice squad for much longer, although they did protect him this week so other teams can't just snatch him up while they figure it out. But sooner than later, they are going to have to get a roster spot, I think, for Quentin Spain. 
It is weird, right? I mean, he's a guy I think is one of their five best offensive linemen, and I've made that pretty clear in the fact that, yeah, he's just hanging around on the practice squad. Who knows with him, right, and what they do. I I assume that they're going to get him on the active roster sooner rather than later because you can't protect him forever. And I I do wonder, Jake, because we were talking the other day about who could be the, the backup tackles. Is Spain a candidate or is he is he not even in that mix? For me, he shouldn't be in that mix. But honestly, after we saw John Jerry starting at left tackle for the Bengals last year, I wouldn't put anything past the experimenting mind of Jim Turner, who seems willing to play just about anybody anywhere. Uh, Quentin Spain, though, is a guy that had arms shorter than 32 inches. And longtime listeners of this podcast know that offensive tackles in the NFL that have arms shorter than 33 and a half inches are very unlikely to succeed at tackle and Quentin Spain's arms come in a full two inches shy of that bare minimum mark that most teams have. I don't know if Jim Turner subscribes to that theory or not. John Jerry was a guy everybody remembers last year who was a career guard who had taken a year off of football and then was seen fit to play left tackle. So I'm not going to presume to know what Jim Turner's plans are. He gets very creative with the deployment of resources, but for me, that's probably a disqualifier for Spain just because he would have so many issues with length. And especially when you're talking about guys like Bud Dupree and uh, TJ Watt on the edge for the Steelers this week in particular. I will say, though, that he could potentially be an adequate enough athlete to play at tackle. I, I thought that judging from maybe judging a book by its cover a little bit that He didn't really have the movement skills that you would want to see out of a guy to play tackle, but really the issue is more the length for a tackle. His RAS score would have been in the 82nd percentile, James, which is mostly from his straight line speed and his strength. He doesn't, he has probably average burst for a tackle, just looking back at his combine numbers, but the agility scores are are middling at best. And so I do think he would struggle with speed. I think he would struggle with length. And I think he would probably become a liability a little bit if they tried to put him at right tackle. Well, let's hope we don't have to find out because Jonah and Bobby and the rest of the gang are back on Sunday. But if if not, it'll be interesting to see who the Bengals go with. Up next, I chat with Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers. Yeah, the undefeated Steelers. But I put his feet to the fire and I ask him how the Bengals can pull off the upset on Sunday The Bengals trying to break through a wall on Sunday against the Steelers, a team that's beat them 10 straight times. Well, you know what they should do before the game? Take some built go. They're easy to take one and a half ounce packages. They could take a ton of them on their flight from Cincinnati to Pittsburgh. Fits in a briefcase or a golf bag. Built go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling and it's natural. So it's better for your body comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and my personal favorite, chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. The collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. Check them out right now at BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another crossover Thursday. It's Steelers week, if you're listening to Locked On Bengals, and it is Bengals week, which I don't even know if, is, is, is that a thing? Chris, is that a thing in Pittsburgh? Bengals? Oh, it's, week? It, it's still a thing. It's still a thing. I mean, it, it, there's still division. There's still division rivals. Even even with the Bengals going through their struggles, Steelers fans. I mean, the the old uh, Vontez Burfick wanting to fight Vince Williams at the 50 yard line. That's uh, that stuff does not go away easily. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's a rivalry game. Obviously, the Steelers they've won 10 straight regular season games in this matchup, which is the most in the history of the rivalry. And you just heard Christopher Carter from Locked On Steelers as part of our crossover Thursday. And, and let's dive into it. Look, I, I don't think anyone expected this Steelers team to be undefeated halfway through the season. Yet here we are. Admittedly, I haven't watched the Steelers extremely close. I've been uh, dealing with a lot in Cincinnati, plenty to watch with Joe Burrow and company. What, uh, why? Why are they 8-0? What's the <laughs> biggest thing, one or two things, that stand out because I think a lot of people think defense, but there's got to be more to it. it. It's the balance, James. I'm telling you, man. And this is what I was saying last year or, or during the off season was that if Ben came back, he didn't have to be, you know, 5,000 yard Ben. He just had to be efficient, take what's there and, and capitalize on it. And you can see that in their yardage. I think they're 25th in total yards on offense, but they're in the top five in scoring. And it's because when the defense gives them a short field, they take advantage of it. When they, when they, when they get a, when they get a good situation or when the game's on the line, you see the offense come alive and it's come alive in different ways. Early on in the season, uh, it was, you know, it was the running game, you know, pounding the Texans, pounding the Browns, you know, making sure like, hey, it's the fourth quarter. And Ben Rothery even said there was at one point when he was handing the ball off to James Conner. He's like, I felt like I was handing it to Jerome Bettis because I didn't have to do anything. And then when the running game started to go away, we've seen the past two weeks, uh, the Ben Roethlisberger stepped up and the passing game kicked in and, and the balance at wide receiver. One week is Chase Claypool. One week is Juju Smith-Schuster. One week is Deontay Johnson. Uh, and then Eric Ebron and James Washington are getting into it last week. Um, and then, of course, when the, when the offense struggles, the defense comes into play. They stuff the run. And when the run doesn't work, then the coverage comes into play. It's, it's everyone sort of sticking up for each other when one group fails. And that's been what's tough to nail down about this team is that like against the Cowboys, against the Titans, against the Ravens, all extremely close games that went down to the wire. But what happened when one when one part of the team started faltering, another team part of the team figured out answers. And in every department, there are really good players that are able that are providing serious challenges to opponents. I think that's the biggest reason why they're here right now. And I, I think it, it's funny you say that. I've said it multiple times this week that the Steelers can beat you in a variety of ways. And, uh, and I was specifically talking about the offense. And, and that's the thing. Coming into this year, everyone knew about Minka. Everyone knows about T.J. Watt and that defense and Bud Dupree and all those guys. But this offense, I was like – I looked at the, the, the group of skilled players, and I knew Deontay Johnson. That there was some hope for him in, in fantasy football circles, and he had flashed at times last year. But I, I'm looking, and I'm like, okay, Juju's a slot receiver. Deontay Johnson's unproven. Chase Claypool unproven. James Washington – 
not not a bust, but just a guy. Yeah. And, and and yet here we are again. Ben, who has clearly clearly went to a, another stage of his career, isn't the guy we saw a decade ago. Let's say, but he has really good skill players. And while there might not be the stars, you know, the Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bells, it feels like they are really deep. Are you surprised by that, by this wide receiver group and how well they've played and how much Chase Claypool has had an impact early on? I am surprised by Chase Claypool because I did think – I thought that Juju Smith-Schuster was going to have a good rebound year, which he has. He, has, I, he hasn't dropped a pass all season. He leads the team in receiving yards. He's playing really well. And whenever he's called upon in a big situation, he's ro- risen to the challenge. Um, and then uh, Deontay Johnson, you see there's a couple times where – his chemistry isn't there with Ben. Like well, he looks to the wrong shoulder when Ben's throwing it to him and they kind of like, ah, what was that? But then they still, they still get their points. They still get their yards when necessary. James Washington, last year he led the team in receiving. This year it's obvious he's the fourth wheel, but he's okay with it. And when he's been called upon, it's been for big plays. He, you know, he caught a touchdown against the Cowboys. We caught a touchdown against the Browns that, that broke the game open. Uh, you know, he's, you know, he isn't called upon that often, but he's there fighting through every play. And that's the thing is depth. And with Chase Claypool, I mean, who knew that this was going to be like this? Now the Steelers seem to know because Joe Hayden on the first day of, of training camp, he tweeted out, okay, that kid's going to be a problem. And he and he said that, and Steeler Nation, I'm, I'm a Steeler Nation got excited. I'm sitting here like, whoa, wait a second. I've been through the, the song and dance of training camp and superstars <laughs> of training camp for years. I want to see it myself. And, of course, we couldn't see it because COVID, no preseason, all that stuff. But then when he came out and started making plays, he caught that first bomb against the Broncos. I was like, oh, okay, kid. And then, and, and again, he's not just – he's not Mike Wallace. He's not just going deep and catching slants. The teams are starting to put their top cornerbacks on him. The Eagles put Darius Slay on him, and he was just like – and Darius Slay tried to press him on a third down. He slapped his hands down, beat him with a quick juke, and then, and then caught a ball for the third down and fought through him trying to strip the ball out. Uh, he's still very young. He still has a lot of things to learn. But Claypool has been so good at learning the playbook. They line him out in the flanker, the split end, the slot, the X. They're moving him around, and he's, he knows what he's doing, and Ben seems to trust him. that is the surprising part of this because now the Steelers have their deep threat and he helps underneath and they even work him in, in the jet sweep game, which is something they used to never do, but that's Matt Canada, the quarterback coach, a guy that came over from, uh, he was the the interim head coach of Maryland. And he was, uh, he was the offensive coordinator for Pitt back in 2016 when they took down Clemson um, in in a major upset when they, back when they had Sean Watson. And that was the style of offense he had, you know, keep the defense guessing, run the jet sweep, run the fake jet sweep to get to get your, your, your running back some yards. And ironically, it was James Conner who was his running back back then. Um, so uh, it, it's it, it's that balance in the receiving core that makes it so hard to top. And we were, we were talking, I think it was up until week five, the Steelers had a different leading receiver every single week. And it was by design. I think it was – because, like, there were sometimes – like, there was against – I think it was against the Browns. Ben was, like, forcing the ball to James Washington. And then the next week he's giving the ball to Juju. The next week he's going to Claypool. And I think it's a point to saying, hey, you cannot lock in on any one receiver that the Steelers have right now. I think, I think that's the answer to what's made the passing game successful. It's certainly surprising uh, with these skill players in the, the way they've played. Uh, I want to ask you about Ben, and that's Chris Carter, Locked On Steelers. Uh, ben Roethlisberger comes into this year, obviously off of injury, says he wants to play for a few more years. He's 38 years old. How is he playing? How would you evaluate him? Because eight knows great, but obviously, heck, in Pittsburgh, it's always about playoffs and what they do in the playoffs. But right now, 
How is he playing? And do you think he can still be that guy to put the team on his back when he needs to, when it matters most? I think he's playing extremely efficient. And and this is what I was saying where he might go this season, because you look at his numbers. He's again, he's not throwing out, out, out of the, out of the window. He's like, he's not, you know, 500 yard passing games, but he, he protects the ball for the Steelers, and he put and he puts the ball in the end zone when they need him to. I think he has what 15 touchdowns this this year, maybe four interceptions. Uh, you know that's that touchdown interception ratio. It's he's rarely gotten to separate that that much in his career. And part of this is what he said he was going through in the offseason. What people said, you know, Deontay Johnson said, this guy's different from last year. He talks differently. Um, you know, he's, he's talked more about his, his Christian faith. He's talked about how he needs to see the game better and how last year taking off gave him more time to think about what he needs to do better as a leader. And you've seen that from him. You've seen him, you know, even just talking in press conferences, he seems more open to answering all his questions and not necessarily giving you some sarcastic snark back at you. Um, I think he's just he's, he's he's realized the things that were holding him back were sometimes self-inflicted and he's moved on from that. And I think that's the biggest thing that's changed because now, you know, when you're going to a game, like you said, a lot of the times when the, when the Steelers were in trouble, it was like, well, Antonio Brown somewhere over there, get it to him. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, but now it's more so like, you know, Hey, we're looking for this matchup. Let's and so, like against the Titans, two of those interceptions he threw was because he threw it like we're just like, towards Juju, where he thought he had him on a linebacker, and then it was just a really good play by by the Titans defense, and that was that was his only multiple interception game this season, um, you know. But but every other game, there's very few instances where you could say, hey, that was a horrible throw right into the coverage that should have been picked off. Most of the plays, if it's a if it's a misfire, it's usually overthrown or underthrown to, to protect the football. I think that's the big thing is that he he understands. He can't afford to hurt this team, and he knows he doesn't have to do it all because he has a great defense behind him. He has a, he has an, a, he has a running game that can get active and can just close out football games, and he has receivers to, that he trusted. If hey, if I get you this quick pass underneath, you can go get get, get some big plays. I and mean, we saw Juju Smith-Schuster running over Marlon Humphrey for first downs against the Ravens. Deontay Johnson, he's got he, he's had multiple touchdown games. Um, Eric Ebron coming coming up big the last two weeks. Uh, you know that's. That, I think that's his confidence and saying, hey, I, I don't have to be Superman. I just got to manage and be the field general. And that's where I think you've seen the biggest difference. All right, Chris, last thing for me. Obviously, the Steelers are undefeated. There are nine-point favorites last I checked over the Bengals on Sunday. If you were drawing up a game plan to beat the team you cover, mm-hmm. what would you do? What would you employ specifically for the Bengals? If you're Zach Taylor – What's your game plan this week to try to pull off arguably the biggest upset in the NFL this season? It, it, w- it would be the biggest upset in the NFL this season. I would, I would trust Joe Burrow. I'd come in and say, Joe, here's our plan. Here's, here's, here's the schemes that we know that they jumped to a lot this year. They're going to come out. I need you to dink and dunk this defense to death. I need you to stay patient. Wait for your shot. Don't take that, that deep shot too early because that's what they have Minka Fitzpatrick for. He plays back a lot. He tries to keep, keep things contained over top. But oftentimes, the Steelers will give you that soft coverage look where you can take hit Tyler Boyd, hit A.J. Green, hit, the, hit, hit, hit you know, Giovanni Bernard or Joe Mixon underneath, whoever does end up playing, it, end up playing in this game. And, and keep working at this defense at those soft spots. Be patient. And then when you're doing that, then you'll find the answers. Because if you find the answers – 
um, you'll be able to be consistent. You'll be able to challenge the defense more. And, um, and then that'll be what frustrates the Steelers defense. And then, then you can start to run the ball a little bit more. That's what, that's what broke open the Cowboys rushing game really, really last week was that they didn't expect Garrett Gilbert to hit so many underneath passes and to keep, keep drives alive. Now, granted, again, they only scored one touchdown, but Garrett Gilbert, Joe Burrow, he could do more than that. Um, so, um, so there's that. And then the defensively, um, you know, stuff the run, keep the, um, you know, stuff the run and, and keep the big plays limited. Now the Steelers offensive line ha- did, has not played well the past two weeks. I, I, my personal opinion, they are gassed. They played three straight road games. They played three straight big games. Um, and they need to, they need to kind of, they, they need to kind of get themselves together. Last game against the Cowboys, I saw David DeCastro of all people, David DeCastro got, you know, coming out his block, his stance late coming up high. If I'm the if I'm the Bengals, I circle that and I say, D line, get up in these guys, be physical from from start to finish, tire them out, and then force Ben Roethlisberger to beat you. And when it is Jesse Bates, that's when you got to come through with the big play. So uh, offensively, dink and dunk, stay patient, Joe Burrow, and wait for the big shot. Defensively, stuff the run, be physical, be hard hitting, challenge the Steelers' offense, and don't give up the big play. Because when you start giving up big plays to Chase Claypool and Juju, that's when this offense is like, okay, now we're going to torch you all these different ways. I think Bengals fans like hearing that. The game plan, the game plan to beat the Steelers from Mr. Steeler. That's Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. Good stuff from him. We'll have to catch up with him in just over a month's time when the Bengals Steelers. Match up for round two. But Jake and I going to be back at it with our predictions. My prediction, Jake, is it going to give a prediction for Sunday's game on tomorrow's show. So make sure you keep it locked right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. And in the immortal words of Jake Lisko, I'm James Erpine. Who day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.